Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Four at the sacristan's lamp. The light wavered but was not extinguished, and the hand continued to float slowly up the stairs. Let us now return to Roger Raynham, whom we left ensconced in a doorway, watching the sacristan's lodge. He had scarcely posted himself there when a light flickered for a moment within the lodge, and then shone steadily through the red curtains at the window, showing that a lamp had been lighted. Presently the shadow of a man was thrown upon the curtain, and in a few moments the young bowyer issued from the lodge and walked quickly towards the cathedral. The miser left his concealment a moment afterwards and followed him, keeping close to the ivied wall, lest he should be observed, if Hubert caught the sound of his stealthy footsteps and looked back. "'So sacrilege is his game,' the old man muttered, as he saw Hubert pause at a door of the cathedral. "'He has filched the keys and is after the sacramental plate.' This conclusion was so satisfactory to his debased and sordid mind that he did not immediately determine to ascertain whether the plunder of the sacristy was really the young bowyer's purpose in entering the cathedral. But when he had walked a few yards in the direction of his own house, he resolved to obtain proof of the crime which he supposed Hubert to meditate, and turned towards the cathedral again. Hubert had disappeared but he had no doubt that he was in the cathedral, and on making a stealthy attempt to open the door, he found that it was unfastened, and that the way was open to him. Stealing into the dark interior, he closed the door, but not so silently that the sound did not reach the ears of the nocturnal trespasser who had preceded him. He heard the footsteps of Hubert returning, and concealed himself behind a column until he had retraced his steps towards the chancel. Then he followed in the young man's track with the stealthy tread of a night-prowling animal of the feline kind. On reaching the door through which Hubert had disappeared, and finding it open, he paused in wonder, and his thoughts took a new direction. "'This must be the door leading to Gundolf's tower,' he said to himself. And this, now I think of it, is St. Mark's Eve, when the phantom hand is seen. They say there is a great treasure concealed somewhere in the tower. Can this fellow have discovered it, or has his love-madness goaded him on to seek for it? For some moments he hesitated to proceed farther 
being held back by the fear of phantoms and goblins, as strongly as he was urged forward by the hope of profiting by Hubert's discovery of the hidden treasure. Curiosity and avarice at length prevailed over fear, and he began to ascend the stairs. Groping his way upward as noiselessly as he could, he presently heard Hubert's echoing footsteps before him, and when he had ascended to a height which he guessed to be level with the galleries, he discerned a flickering light which a dark figure was eagerly pursuing. The apparition awed him for the moment, though he could not see distinctly what it was. But reflecting that there could be no danger which would not first be encountered by Hubert, he continued to ascend. Up the winding stairs, now narrower and more steep, the phantom hand floated like the goblin fire of swampy woods, or the corpse-candle of Welsh churchyards, flickering in the draught which came down the stairs, and in the strong expirations from the lips of the young bowyer, but never becoming extinguished. So absorbed was Hubert in the pursuit, which became more exciting as the harsh cries and flapping wings of startled rooks and doors warned him that he was near the summit of the tower, that he did not hear the miser's footsteps following his own. His last effort to extinguish the phosphorescent light that encircled and wavered about the phantom hand was made when his right foot was on the topmost stair, and the mysterious appearance seemed to be about to mount into the air. A despairing cry burst from his lips as he witnessed its failure, and at the same instant lightning flashed from the black cloud that hung over the cathedral, and as it momentarily illumined battlement and stair, he heard what seemed the echo of his cry from the stairs below, followed by the sound of a heavy body falling against the wall. The flash was succeeded by pitchy darkness and the rumbling of the thunder along the black concave above. The phantom hand had disappeared. Hubert stood motionless for some moments, and then, imagining that its disappearance might be a sign that the flagstones on the summit of the tower concealed the hidden treasure, he struck a light, lighted his candle, and with feelings alternating between hope and despair, examined the stones around him. Not a trace of any removal could he find, and he was unprovided with tools for a further prosecution of the search. He had not abandoned it, however, when he was startled by a groan from the stairs below. Starting to his feet, with cold perspiration distilling from every pore, he held his light above the stairs, listening intently for a repetition of the sound that had startled him. Some dark object was lying upon the stairs below, at a point where they wound round their supporting column. "'Can I have been followed?' he asked himself, as he looked down, lowering the light and holding it forward. Then he descended, and found upon the stairs an old man whose coarse features he recognised as those of Roger Raynham. The face of the miser was deathly pale. Blood was trickling from a ghastly wound upon the head, and no sign of life could be detected. The grovelling spirit had departed with the groan which had attracted Hubert's attention to him. 
the conviction that the old man was beyond mortal aid, was succeeded in Hubert's mind by the serious and perplexing question, how was he to act? Should he call up the head borough, and tell him that there was a man lying dead in the cathedral? Or should he leave the corpse where it was, and say nothing about the matter? If he adopted the first course, he would be called upon to account for his own presence in the cathedral, and perhaps be accused of having murdered the old man. If there had been any life left in Roger Raynham, humanity would have prompted that course, and Hubert would not in that case have been the man to listen to the suggestions of selfishness. But he saw no reason why he should imperil his own life to enable Roger's corpse to be removed before it stiffened. So he descended into the chancel, left the door at the foot of the tower open, with the key in the lock, and quitted the cathedral, closing the outer door, but leaving it unlocked. Great was the excitement in Rochester next morning, when the news spread through the city that the keys of the cathedral had been stolen, and the corpse of Roger Raynham, with the skull fractured, found on the stairs of Gundulph's tower. As all the ecclesiastical plate was found safe in the sacristy, and the miser was shown by the evidence of the hostler at the Golden Cross to have been abroad at a very late hour, and to have been going towards the cathedral at the same time that the sacristan was staggering homeward from the bull's head, it was surmised that the deceased had robbed the drunken man of the keys, entered the cathedral with the intent of searching for the traditionary hidden treasure, and fallen down the stairs in Gundalf's tower, a fractured skull being the result. Of course, the pretty Mildred did not become the wife of Gaffer Gillingham. She was sole heiress of all the miser's possessions, and she conferred them with her hand upon Hubert Bowyer, to whom all her heart had long been given. The bells of St. Margaret's never rung a merrier peal than on the day they were married, and their future lives passed so happily that Hubert often remarked that he possessed a greater treasure in his wife than he could possibly have discovered in Gundulph's tower. End of chapter 5 You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.